welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. We are back for season two of Emotion Well, and I'm excited to have my colleague Steve Arneson with me today. Steve plays a large part in our student assistance program. Steve, welcome to Emotion Well. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because you can do that much better than I can. So let us know uh, what you do for EFR and I think more importantly, why we selected you to fulfill this role at EFR. Well, I think it kind of blends together. I'm a, a career school counselor, school teacher and a school counselor. And toward the end of my career, I was really making the most out of student assistance program, having them come into my school a lot, um, referring them like crazy. And then conversations kind of just went from there. And upon my retirement, um, EFR made this role for me called student assistance program consultant. So I get the pleasure of just kind of promoting student assistance program. I get to go into, get to schools and talk to the students, go to places where adults might get to hear about it, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. I get to do student groups, which was a way that I can still stay plugged in with what I enjoyed most in my school counselor role. Sure. Well, let's let our listeners know a little bit about our student assistance program. We we call it SAP. But explain kind of what the service is and what we provide to our schools. Sure. SAP pretty much mirrors um, our employee assistance program in that students and any household family members have access to our 24-7, 365 helpline. So a master's level clinician will answer that phone any minute of any day, prepared to engage in a conversation right then and there on the spot. Um, And then if desired, that leads to probably our, kind of our featured service, which is our our face-to-face counseling sessions. And um, just like the employees can have this, the students and their family members can have the free counseling sessions. Some of those are actually um, offered and done inside the school buildings in a normal nice. school year, a little different now, but yeah. it's all being done remotely now. And then finally, the other thing that's a part of a lot of the school packages are student groups, where um, I'm actually the one who does those right now. I'll go into a school and I'll do three, maybe four sessions, weekly sessions with a group of kids who have a common life challenge that they want to learn some coping skills, or kind of get better. So what would be examples of common life challenges? Common life challenge, there is one topic that is by far the most common. Can I guess? Yes. Is it divorced parents or? No. No. It's it's very... I would just think so many kids experience the separation of a family. And I have had that. It's a very broad brush it's anxiety. Anxiety, okay. Anxiety, yeah. worry, stress. And I think what happens a lot when they create these groups, that worry and stress could come from a variety of different reasons. Right. So there different might be triggers, a student or two yeah. that, you know, is dealing with divorce, another one that's just moved new to their school. Or, so sometimes they are clumped together, which makes it 
you know, kind of general in nature, but that is by far the most common, whether they're elementary age or, or high school kids. Yeah. Very, very neat. So you were an educator first. You were a teacher for uh, how many years? Schooled. I, I started out my career, Northwest Iowa, elementary school teacher, um, came to Ankeny, continued being an elementary teacher. Meanwhile, I was getting my master's to be okay. a school counselor. So after probably 15 years in the classroom, then I was an elementary counselor for seven years. Okay. In the in the same school where my wife was a teacher and my daughters were students. Very so that nice. was kind of an interesting the whole family small in one, world. In yeah. one building. That was kind of fun. And then um and then I am then I finished my career last 15, 16 years as a middle school sixth and seventh grade counselor. Okay. And then throughout that entire career, a big part of of what I think was kind of the blending of my interest was being a coach. And what, is, what did you coach? I coached mostly the running sports, cross country, track and field. I did coach softball, coached football. Um, but that was, I, I mentioned that because that's a big part of, to me, that's where a lot of my school counseling skills were oh, most, most definitely. useful and I probably enjoyed the most. Um, and then a lot of times it would be students who I had in elementary school, and then I had the pleasure of coaching yeah. them as you know as high school kids. So that was kind of cool. Very very neat. So think about when you were a counselor for elementary students versus middle school students. What were some of the differences? I mean, you know, people of any age can have anxiety. Uh, did you find that the elementary level that was being identified, or do you feel like that wasn't? coming out more until they were a little bit older? I think my my answer to that would be as the, as the kids would get older, and it's just kind of human nature, they would try to be more independent on how they are going to cope with things. Sure. They would lean more on their peers. Mm -hmm. Whereas elementary, the younger the student, the more kind of connected the parent would be, the more right. the parent might be initiating the concern. And quite honestly, sometimes it was the parents was more concerned than the student themselves were, uh -huh. you know. Um, but that would be the main thing. They're, they're a little bit more guarded as they get older, but yet, but yet they, need, they needed the, the conversation. They needed the coping skills. They needed the advice, just like they would as in as elementary school. Yeah. And just like people do as adults, I think it's so important that we can help young people, you know, whether they're children in elementary school or, you know, adolescents in middle school, teenagers in high school, recognize that the way they're feeling might might be something that they can talk to someone about. So I think with anxiety, like I think back to when I was a kid and now that I know more about anxiety, I can definitely say, yes, mm -hmm. I had some anxiety as a kid. But at the time, it just felt normal. I just yeah. thought that that's how I felt, that, that maybe that's how everyone felt. But I just remember, like, anxiety in preparation for exams, which I would assume is very common, anxiety in, in relation to a piano recital I had coming up, anxiety as it related to uh, my parents uh, separated when I was quite young and my mom got remarried when I was 13. And so anxiety related to the changes that came with that. But I didn't know that it was anxiety. Like I, I would never have labeled it that. Uh, and I think back to when I was in school, we had 
a guidance counselor. And before we started recording this episode, I thought it was interesting you had mentioned that that's not really what we call our school counselors anymore. We don't refer to them as guidance counselors, but as someone growing up in the 80s and 90s, I think that was pretty common. Right. The word guidance was is no longer a part of that title, but yeah. So when I think back to my time in school, you know, I definitely, I had some contact with the guidance counselor, although it wasn't anything regular or ongoing. Uh, When I was going through school, uh, my school district didn't provide an SAP. There, There were no such things as groups. And I'm from a really small town. And so I, I think about what I have had the courage to go to a group right. session. Would I have felt comfortable doing that? Because I think there there is still so much stigma surrounding mental health, emotional health, emotional support. And so I just, you know, I think about how I could have benefited from that. And I now as a mother to a small child who's not yet in school, I think how, you know, how great these resources are that parents can tap into. So um, kind of along the lines of gaining students and families access to these services, what do you think some of the big barriers are that are in place for people uh, who may not approach these services? Right. I want to say one thing that you just made me think about, and then I'm going to answer that question. Um, I think it's important to note that the value of advocates in the school building other than just the school counselor. And it's so refreshing to see teachers embracing that role and understanding. Understanding how and, they can promote it. Right. And and, and school counselors re- realizing, too, they don't have to be the one and only person who might help a student through a tough stretch or through a, yeah. through a tough thing. And and that's, that's a really neat thing that's happening in our schools now, and it, it's good. Um, Barriers, I think, much like for adults, it's the stigma, it's the embarrassment. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm hesitant to be vulnerable and let down my guard that I'm worried, that I'm, that I'm uncomfortable, that I'm, I'm struggling with whatever emotion I'm handling. You know, there's, there's, there's still, not as much so, but there's still this misconception of, um, that if I, if I've got something wrong, then I have a mental illness, which is, of course, true, and, and it could be a, a real thing, but mental health is, is something we're all struggling with. Right. We all, we all have with. mental health concerns, exactly. and we all live with you know our own mental health. Right, and I think that's why um, I think the barriers are becoming less. Good. I think it's becoming more um, comfortable for people to to let down their guard and to to reveal that hey I'm struggling with this and I you know going back to my coaching experience too I think it's it's incumbent upon all of us as adults to help students help our kids help you know our athletes whoever realize that stress is just a normal part of life mm-hmm. you know and the the way we think about that uncomfortable feeling could very well frame how we're going to, re, you know, move forward. That anxiety, that that the, the physical symptoms that come with being being nervous. If we can flip it to a challenge versus a threat, right? That that kind of puts in play a whole lot of coping skills that that make it a little bit more you know, acceptable 
building resilience, I think, is the anecdote for all worry and stress. And and when I'm doing the groups and, and talking with students, they're they're almost relieved to look at somebody else and real and find out, oh, you have that, you feel that there, way too. There is so much power in knowing that someone else is living a similar experience. I think yes. I think that's why support group, you know, AA and Al-Anon and groups like that are so powerful because you walk into a room and you realize that your situation isn't all that different from someone else's and that a lot of people are are able to understand what you're going through. Everyone has a different set of circumstances, but there's a common bond. I, I think that's really neat. And I think that as we're raising children up to be more aware of their emotional well-being, to be more aware of how they respond under stress and what anxiety feels like, and maybe, you know, this is what depression feels like, it's only providing them with, you know, it's providing them with the resources that they will take into their adulthood and hopefully be able to apply some of those same um, you know, instead of seeing this as a threat, look at it as a challenge. Um, instead of, you know, giving into the way you feel, let's let's embrace how you feel and do, what are we going to do um, with that? So I think it's great the earlier we can educate and get, you know, kids uh, connected with their their feelings. It's really no different than starting kids off with active lifestyles and starting kids off with healthy eating. It's just, you're starting them off with awareness around how they feel emotionally. And uh, hopefully that becomes normalized and and they realize that, hey, this other people are experiencing it too. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be okay. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, because your career spanned so many decades, over three decades, I want to talk to you about kind of comparing, you know, the, especially, well, let's talk, I know, for part of that time you were in a classroom as, as an educator, but let's just kind of focus on the, the counselor mm-hmm. uh, career. From kind of the early years to the latter years, what are some similar, what are some differences? We'll start with differences. What are some of the different challenges that you saw kind of evolve over the years? The differences, I would say, there is more awareness of and this it all probably comes back to social media and just news and just what is coming at kids kids are more aware of things that uh, uh, a 10 year old at the end of my career was dealing with and aware of this kind of stuff that maybe would have we would have thought high school kids were struggling with mm-hmm. 15 years earlier and I think it's just the nonstop information and access to information that's pushing in on them. I would think that did you did you see more students that had attention related issues? I mean, just because we're in this age of digital distraction. Yes. yes. You know, <laughs> and then the, the question is always is where was that twenty years ago? Where was that 25 years ago, you know? Yeah. And is it just diagnosed more? Are we more aware of it? And and I don't really, I don't have an answer, but yet the answer is yes. There was there was definitely more um, various kind more of diagnosis. focus yeah. and attention issues. What, what were some of the things that really didn't change? What were some of the That's a good issues question. or themes that you kind of, that you think are kind of, I would say... Here, regardless of, of what time period we're in. I think the fundamental need for a student, regardless regardless of age, for whether it's 
40 years ago or it's now is I just I just want to belong mm -hmm. have I a want, sense of community I want to have a somewhere. sense of community I want to belong I want to um, it's kind of the self-actualization themes of I want to I want to to be able to um, feel like I've got some ability to master something I, I have I have some ability to deal with what's coming at me I want to have people around me who can help me when I need it um, those are those are kind of foundational needs that I don't think have changed over time yeah and probably won't yeah I mean they're just they're just things that people really need to help them survive and thrive uh, I was doing a little research before we sat down on cyberbullying because I would imagine that's something that you didn't encounter in your early years of school counseling, but as you retired just a couple of years ago, you probably encountered quite often. So I found this information from uh, a group called Broadband Search, and there are statistics that are current, 2020 stats. I'll include them in our show notes, but um, and they're specifically related to cyberbullying. So um, students that they surveyed reported that 73% uh, of those students that they surveyed reported that they had been cyberbullied in their lifetime. 44% had reported that they had been cyberbullied in the last 30 days. Um, you know, about 85% of teens are connected to the internet. And when asking the teens surveyed kind of what were their experiences like, um, in, in regard to being cyberbullied, um, a lot of them reported increased social anxiety, feelings of depression, um, eating disorder issues, and self-harm, suicidal thoughts, just to name a few. I think back to, you know, I, I feel like everyone thinks that the era in which they were reared was the best time to be. You know, mm -hmm. my mom... The good old days. Um, my mom was born in the 40s, and so she has very fond memories of the 50s and early 60s. And, you know, it's always like times were so much better then. And I think everyone feels that way. You know, yeah. I feel very nostalgic about the 80s and the early 90s. And so when I think about that, because I have said, you know, I am so glad I'm not a teenager right now. You know, and I have nieces and nephews that are teenagers right now, and I'm sure that they can't imagine being a teenager you know, when I was a teenager, because how could you not be connected to your friends all the time? So I think about the things that I I struggled with in school related to social groups. So, I, you know, I got teased like many kids. Like, I remember being teased over, like, the way I looked, the way I dressed. My parents were older when they had me, which um, I don't think is probably something kids get teased about as often now because it's a lot more common for an elementary age child to have parents in their 40s and 50s now, but it wasn't right. 30 years ago. So I think about, you know, the the different ways that I was picked on and like many kids were picked on. I, I wasn't alone in that. But there was something really comforting about when I left school for the day, I got away from those people that were bothering me and that were bringing me down. And I had some time to just kind of disconnect and, um, let those feelings process. And now, you know, as I think about it, like how, how can kids really do that now? Because it's, it's really no different than when you talk about adults in the workforce, not being able to leave work at work, yep. you know, they carry it around with them. They're constantly checking in the stressors from their work day, follow them home because work follows them home. And I just think about that, like, what advice would you have to a, a kid who, who needs a, a break from maybe being um, made fun of or bullied. Um, also, bullied was not really a term that was used when right. I was going to school. And now it seems like 
maybe what I would describe when I say I was made fun of, people would now classify as being bullied. I'm not sure. Um, but bullied seems like a, a phrase that we use a lot. But, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think about how can kids kind of disengage from that when we're right. so connected? You said something really profound. I did. You did. Because you were talking about how this is a reality for the kids mm -hmm. at the same time as it's a reality for we adults. Yeah. How do, how do we compartmentalize our life? And I, I would offer as a great suggestion as to team up and do it together. You know, let's let, you know, I, I've noticed you're, you, you're really plugged in with your phone and I'm feeling the same way about my work. Can we, can we just set aside some time and there the byproduct could be a little bit of family time together mm -hmm. because it really, it really does come down, come down to compartmentalizing and literally disengaging. Because if you're constantly looking at somebody else's highlight reel, because that's really what you're doing is you're looking at somebody else's highlight reel, it's going to wear you down. It's going to bring you down. And I think we as adults um, need to join in that challenge with our kids mm -hmm. because um, they don't they aren't going to necessarily appreciate our advice telling them to do something and then we're not modeling it ourselves. Yeah. But I, I think that's the best way. I will say that there are, I was really blown away one time during a student group and we were talking about coping skills and dealing with worry and stress and anxiety. And one of the students, this is a high school girl, she goes, can I show you something on my phone? And I'm like, okay, this is going to be some, yeah. you know, TikTok or some Instagram thing. And she had a really cool resource that she had found and she shared with the, with the other people oh, very neat. and it was it was an app that she uses when she's trying to calm herself down so i do think there is potential to embrace technology oh most definitely to embrace that you know at i'm having trouble getting to sleep because my mind is reeling but instead of going to my the social media this instagram or whatever i'm going to go listen to my app that mm -hmm. will calm me down or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's a shared challenge. I think yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, and it also kind of reveals the, the, we as adults can't think of what's going to be the next new thing that kids are going to be dealing with. We, we can't keep up with it. They're no. going to find out about it. So I think it really is incumbent upon us to just teach kids to be, um, aware of trusting their instincts. This feels like it's it could be dangerous. This feels like it could be lead me down a rabbit hole of something that might not be right. Um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent there, but I think... I think it comes down to mindfulness. Yes. And being, you know, like, when it... As it relates to technology and consumerism of social media and the news feeds and whatnot. It's just being uh, mindful right. of, you know, how often you're doing it. How does it make you feel? Um, I personally, you know, I, I, I'm not on social media nearly as much as I was 10 years ago, and I feel much better 
there was yeah. a short time where I felt like I was missing out. I had that fear of missing out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that wears off pretty quickly, at least for it did for me. Um, what do you recommend parents do to stay engaged and stay kind of in touch with their children, their students, um, especially as it relates to emotional health? Yeah, I would say, um, well, first of all, if you if you feel like you could have done better and you wish you would have done better, because I think that's that's a, a, a theme that I hear from time to time. Oh, I wish I would have. You can always reset. You can always mm -hmm. just. It's never too late. Yeah, it's never too late. You can flat out say, you know, I haven't been as involved as a parent. I wasn't quite as engaged as I wish I would have, and I want to be more from from this point on. But to to, to be specific, I think just have casual conversation, and perhaps when you're doing something else like walking or in the car or something where it's not a sit down face to face, not a, we need to talk. Yeah. We need to talk. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the edge of your bed while you are trapped at your pillow and we're going to talk. No, look for, look for just casual conversations just to kind of open up the communication and maybe be a little, you know, one thing you could do as an adult too, is to be a little, um, transparent about your own struggles and your own yeah. emotions but always indicate successful coping skills i'm i'm really struggling with my work day today but what i'm going to really i'm going to go out and sit on the deck and i'm going to take some time to to relax and listen to the birds or whatever you want to come and join me just to kind of model yeah. that I'm and, going to disengage from what's causing stress right. or worry or concern, even if for five minutes. Right. And Just then kind of lead the way. And and then hopefully that will create a comfortable environment where, you know, maybe that can be turned around and the the son or daughter can kind of, you know, reach out too. The other thing I would say too, as I'm sitting here thinking, is um we as adults need to appreciate the value of other people in our kids lives too mm. and we can't um, do it all there we can't are do it all and we need to have somebody else who's doing it you know one of my unique experiences in life as a coach was I coached this guy in high school high jump and then he turned around and coached my daughter in high school high oh jump. very cool and he and I were on the coaching staff together but it was very important that he was the one engaging in that coaching uh -huh. relationship and I could be dad. Right, because kids are going to respond differently to their exactly. parents than they would a teacher, a counselor, a trusted friend, yes. Right, so yes, you know, own that as a parent and, and do your best, but also tag off to other people, aunts, for example. Um, people that can just be important in, in your child's life. And, and then be prepared to step back as a parent when when maybe they do reach out to somebody mm -hmm. else or they do, you know, connect somewhere else and they don't want to burden you as mom or they don't want to burden you as dad, let that be, you right. know, you're, you're teaching them a valuable skill. And I think for, you know, anyone listening, we, I mean, a lot of our listeners are from the Des Moines metro area, but we have listeners across the country. And so maybe inquire, does your son or daughter's school have a student assistance program? Yes. You know, when you are, maybe you're a parent who's trying to, um, find a, a, a good school for your family. Maybe you are transitioning from middle school to high school. 
you know, learn about the resources available and take advantage of them because they are there. And again, kind of like our employee assistance program benefits, a lot of times they get forgotten about or they go underutilized. So don't let that be the case if you have access to such valuable resources. One more question, Steve. What advice would you have to a student who is struggling? Hmm. That's a big question, isn't it? Is it is a big question. Um, realize you're not alone. Realize you are not alone. Other people have probably had a similar experience, and you can certainly try to um, cope with your struggle as much as you can on your own. Do your own research, re- you know, look for resources, whatever. But at some point, let down your guard and reach out to somebody else, some trusted person who can kind of either, if not give you some help, maybe lead you to some help. So just be honest with yourself that you're struggling and you're not alone. Yeah. And I think oftentimes I've found this to be true in my own life as an adult. When you can talk, when you talk about it, it becomes real mm-hmm. and it's kind of the first step in addressing it and getting the help you need. So thank you so much for your time. If you are listening and want to learn more about employee and family resources, student assistance program, visit our website, www.efr.org. And you can navigate to our student assistance program resources page from our homepage. Thanks again, Steve. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to emotion. Well, Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunleavy and produced by Emily Wonkong.